Well, first things first, let's go before the Lord. Holy Spirit, right now we just draw on you. We ask for your words. We ask for your message. We receive them in Jesus' name. You know what every heart needs here, including my own. And Holy Spirit, you always inspire us. You lead us. You guide us into all truth. You bring things to our remembrance. You show us things to come. You lead us into passive peace. And you show us how to glorify the Father. And so Holy Spirit, we give you freedom this morning. Whatever you would have us to do, we know you lead and we choose to follow. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, think about this. You may already know exactly what you need to know to succeed right where you are. And that's why one of the jobs as the Holy Spirit is to bring things to your remembrance. Because as humans, we can be a little bit forgetful. And we've been taught many things in our lives, but the Holy Spirit, when we work with Him, He all of a sudden brings up things that you haven't thought about in years. And you're like, oh, you know, I never thought about that. I forgot. You know, that, was, that seemed like so long ago. And He can bring things back to you new and afresh as if it was the first time you ever heard them. He can breathe new life into things that you knew a long time ago. Because we have to understand that the, the Bible is actually very, very simple. And it doesn't actually say a whole lot. It says the same thing over and over and over again in different ways. And so sometimes as humans, we can be like, oh, you know, I, I, I want to hear more. I want to know something new. And sometimes you don't need something new. You just need to do what you already know. It's like I don't need Harrison to be able to write Exorus Ethiopius. It's one of the longest words in the dictionary. It's a little squirrel. I need him to be able to write could, should, would can, have, words like that. And sometimes we're, look, we're in ourselves, we're like, oh, God, give me more. And God is saying, just work on the basics. You know, Paul said that. He said, you have need that someone share with you again the basics or the foundations, the milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so every once in a while, we need to go back and do foundation work. And, you know, I think this series that we're working on right now in regards to blessing and prosperity is going back to some of the foundational things that God has said in His Word. And we don't need to press on for more when we've still got more to learn about the basic things. And so we've been talking about think inside the box and that we should think inside the box of God's Word. And I said last week that sometimes we cry out and say, God, speak to me. And he's saying, I spoke 37,000 times. All of these words. You can open to life. Now, all of the word is not applicable to you at all of the times. But there is always something in the word for you today. Right now. And the Holy Spirit's job is to work together with us and work together with the word to bring to light the things that we need to know right now. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something outside of what the Word of God says. You know, I had one guy say to me, he's like, oh, God told me I needed to stop giving, that I shouldn't give anymore. Well, that's in direct conflict with the Word of God. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It didn't say, give unless I tell you not to, because he never would, because he'd have to violate his Word. 
And so there's things that we've accepted as truth that aren't actually in the Bible. There's things that have been formed in our lives that are more cultural than they are spiritual. There's things that have been formed in our lives that are more religious than they are spiritual. And so we need to go through the filter of the word and pull out the diamonds and pull out the gold that God has told us to build our lives around versus all the things that we may have learned in our lives. You know, the more I learn, the more I find out there's stuff that I need to let go of. Even though I've grown up in a great family that's taught me the things of the grace of God, the love of God, and His mercy, and His faith, and you know what? There's still lots of things that even myself that I need to unlearn. And so life should always be a life of learning. And we should never get into the place of pride where we say, I've got it right, I've got it all done, because the older I get, the more I know I, there's still stuff that I'm not getting right, that I need to let go of. You will never have it put together perfectly because you were not called to that. Jesus was. And so we're called to think inside the box of the Word. And we quoted this in our confession this morning, but it's Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. That right there is enough to shout on. It's not just a bunch of dead words from people 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 6,000 years ago. They are life Today, the Word of God is alive, and it can be revealed to you and bring you such joy today. So it says the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit, and between the joints and the marrow, and it exposes, and that's not a word most people don't want to hear, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And I think some of, the, some of the most beneficial times in my life are when the Holy Spirit has pointed what a jerk I've been. And you look at these like, and he exposes your thoughts and your desires. You know, we can do things and think that we have the moral high ground, and then he can point it out being like, no, I told you to love. And so sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to expose some thought processes that are not correct and in line with the Word of God. And how does he do that? By taking the Word and illuminating them and showing you what your thoughts are versus what his thoughts are. Because they're not always the same thing. You know, Jeremiah... In Jeremiah chapter 1, God told him, he said, prophesy, Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah begins to prophesy, and when he's done, this is what God said to him. It says, the Lord said to me, you have seen well. Well, that's always a good start. It's like, okay, so I didn't miss it. But then he says this, he says, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. So when you see what he's written about you, he's sitting there like, come on, let's do this together. Come on. I'm wanting to do this with you. I want to see that fulfilled in your life. I want to see you rise to new heights that you didn't even know you could go to. I want to see you cross seas that you didn't even know were crossable. I want to see you move into things that you didn't even know were possible for you. He's actively watching over it. He also said through the prophet Isaiah, this is what he said in uh, Chapter 55, verse 11, he said, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. I think that's good. What I please, not what you please, what he pleases, and it shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. 
When the word of God is applied, it produces results. Or as Isaiah said, it prospers. Now, the word that they use for prosper there is the Hebrew word tesalak, and it means to advance, to prosper, to make progress, and to succeed. So when the word of God is applied into your life, it advances you, it prospers you, it makes progress, and it causes you to succeed. When you take the word of God and apply it in your life, there is movement. And so we also have to take heed how we hear the word. Are we listening to the word so that we can go, that's good, that's nice, mm -hmm, praise God, Pastor Jordan, good message. Oh, thank you, thank you. No, when we hear the word of God, even in, whether it be in a service, whether it be wherever you are opening the word in your daily devotions, our, our perspective should be, how God should I take what you're saying to me here now and apply it into my life? You want to see movement in your life? Do the word. That's why James said, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Praise God. So if the word of God in your life causes you to prosper, what areas does it cause to prosper? And so we're talking about blessing, prosperity, increase, and unfortunately, these words within Christianity have become almost curse words, swear words, dirty words. I'll give you a close-at-hand close perspective. The last two messages, I put blessing in the title when I posted them on the internet. They have been watched 70% less than all of the other videos. That shows Christianity's perspective of the topic we're talking about. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not true. And that's something the world is really pushing against these days. We all believe this, so you should too. That's not true. It's what the Word says is what is the truth. And that is the unshakable foundation that we should be building and anchoring our life around. And so when we talk about blessing and prosperity and increase, we're going to use nothing but the Word. You don't need my opinion. My opinion can't change your life, but the Word of God can. And so if the Word of God can cause things to advance to prosper, to make progress, and to succeed, we need to allow God to let us progress in those areas and not be in resistance to what he has for his life. Now, the reason why people hate when you say prosperity is because they think, money, 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 and they think that's all you're talking about. And that just shows their narrow-minded perspective of what prosperity actually is. And so I told you last week that there's actually seven areas of the Bible talks about prospering. Spiritual prosperity, emotional prosperity, mental prosperity, physical prosperity, relational prosperity, accomplishment prosperity, and financial prosperity is actually the lowest form of prosperity, but it's still a form. And so if God says it's important and he actually spends actually more chapters talking about money that in consistent than any other topic. You know, love only got half a chapter and money got two. Why? Because God knows that we're going to screw this topic up. And so he wanted to give lots of verses and lots of wisdom on it so that we get it right. Now, 
No, people won't fight you when you say you, they can have spiritual prosperity. They won't fight you even when you say they can have emotional prosperity. Though they should probably practice it a little bit more. There's so many people that are emotionally distraught. You're not to be controlled by your emotions. You're to prosper in them. To rule over them. There's mental prosperity. This is a big one among the world. They believe that you can, you can grow in more knowledge and everything, and that's great because you can. The ones that they tend to fight you on are number four and number seven. They don't want you to believe that you can be healed, and they don't want you to believe that you can prosper in your finances. But I have to tell you, the Bible says this. The wisest man in the world wrote it, Solomon. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. I'm sorry, but this, really is, this topic has been really exciting me in the last little while. And we have to understand the implications of what the word says. The blessing of the Lord. Not your blessing. Not your friend's blessing. Not your parents' blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. So he makes a distinction. When God prospers you, it doesn't become a burden. The world's way, there's a lot of hardship, a lot of heartache, a lot of broken relationships, a lot of people trampled along the way. God's way is not that way. John said in John, the third John chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in, everyone say it with me, all things. Seven different areas of prosperity. He wants you to prosper in them all and not in just some of them. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Now the word soul there is psihi, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. He wants you to prosper in all things just as your mind, your will, and your emotions prosper. You want to bring emotional stability you want to bring mental stability into your life? Let it be founded on the foundations of the word. Amen. The Amplified says it this way, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. But pastor, you know, you got to be careful when you talk about money. Actually, they say you want to piss off a crowd the most. Talk about money, talk about kids, or talk about sex, and it will get real quiet. <laughs> so I know the ground that I'm treading on in this series. But you got to be careful, Pastor Jordan, when you talk about money, because don't you know that money is the root of all evil? Actually, no, no, it isn't. There's a, there was a professional football player that signed the largest contract ever. And right after doing it, he went out and got tattooed on his arm, money is the root of all evil. But do you know what? That's a misquote. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it says, for which some have strayed from their faith 
in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Well, what did we know about the blessing of the Lord? It makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. So obviously their focus, their attention, and their drive were not based upon God's principles. They were based upon their own. And just because some have strayed from their faith, some people have completely destroyed their life. Does that mean that you shouldn't live yours? And so it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But the love of God accesses you into the blessing of God. And it makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. But we also have to bring a little bit of balance into what the word rich means. It means having a full supply. And so a lot of people, when we start talking about God will make you rich, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to fly around the world in my private jet. And, you know, I'm going to have like three yachts parked in the harbor. And, and I say, for what? What are you doing with those things? I don't have a problem with people having jets. I don't have a problem with people having yachts. My thing is, what for? What are you doing with it? Why? God is interested in transforming every area of our lives. Spirit, soul, and body. And when it comes to richness, you have to understand, I quoted it last week, that you are in the top 1% of the world if you make over $34,000. You know, Dave Ramsey posted that same quote a few weeks ago on his site, and I was scanning through the comments because sometimes the comments on things are better than the actual articles you read. And one, it was actually said by a few people, they said, I don't want to be in the top 1% of the world, I want to be in the top 1% of America. Well, let's bring some perspective to that. If you want to be in the top 1% of Canada, that's only 190,000. You want to be in the top 1% of the United States, that's only 420,000. That doesn't fly you around the world on a private jet. That doesn't park 10 yachts in your harbor. So we have to bring perspective of what people are actually considering rich. God is not interested in padding your bank account. He's interested in promoting you around the world so that you can spread the gospel. He has no problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. And you have to understand that right now, where you are sitting right here in this world, in this room, sorry, you are one of the most blessed people in the world. And so I ask you this, what are you going to do with it? It says we've been blessed to be a blessing. This day, with what you have now, without even wanting a single thing more, who can you grab their hand and lift up? Who can you point to Jesus? A little bit quiet here in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> it's perspective, though. You are already so blessed. And what you have right now can already help you and help others. And so many people are saying, God, if I just had a little bit more, oh God, give me more. You know, they did a, did a survey all around the world of people from many different income classes. And you know, whether you made $5 a week or $50,000 a week, the answer to the question is, how much more do you need? And everyone said, more. Whether they had lots or whether they had little, everyone felt they needed more. But your satisfaction will never come from your bank account. 
but it sure as heck will come from your God. It says he satisfies our life with good things. So let's get back over into Galatians chapter 3 before I have you all storming out. <laughs> in Galatians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, All who put their faith in Christ uh, share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And so how did Abraham receive the blessing? By faith in Christ. But Abraham had never met Christ. But you know that there was a lot of people in the Old Testament who did a lot of things on credit? It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that they looked forward to the time that we were in. It says that David, they call it the key of David in Revelations, that he accessed and stepped out of time and received forgiveness for something that was unforgivable in his time. How did he do that? Through Jesus. How was that possible? It calls him the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And so Abraham was accessing things by faith from a man he had never met. Wouldn't even live in his generation. Just as much you can now look back to the cross and receive things 2,000 years after the fact by faith. It says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And so we told you that the word blessing is eulogio, which means to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings upon, and to be favored of God. And now for the sake of that so wordy, we're going to boil it down to this. It basically means you have been empowered to prosper. In what ways? In what ways do you want to place faith in? In Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so this morning, with the time that we're going on, I want to talk about verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He has, not he will, he already has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Well, what is the curse of the law? We'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to deal with first, what does curse mean? Because it's not a word that we really use in our society anymore. Maybe, you know, a hundred years ago, some mariners might be like, oh, this voyage is cursed, you know, it's been a bad omen. Horrible mariner's accent. <laughs> But what does it mean to curse? Does it mean to swear? No, that's not what they're talking about. If you take a look at the Greek words that are used, it literally means the opposite of prayer. And so what is prayer? Prayer is simply just having dialogue and talking with God. Cursing is you having dialogue and talking to your situation in a negative fashion. Jesus told us this in Matthew 12, 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Those are words from Jesus. And what was he saying? He's saying we can attach ourselves to things that we don't want to be attached to by the way we talk about them. 
James told us this. He says, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. And surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So James tells us that out of your mouth, you are speaking cursing into your life, or you can be speaking blessing into your life. But people don't generally walk around thinking they are cursed. When was the last time you had a bad situation and thought, oh, I must be cursed? No, you didn't. But you know what people do all the time? I can't do this. I can't have that. That's just not for me. Oh, that'll never happen to me. I'm not fill in the blank. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't come from the right family. I didn't grow up in the right area. Whatever you want to fill in. Or, or you can put location in it. Well, that doesn't happen in a small town. That's just not like my people. My people don't do that around here. People attach themselves to things and put up roadblocks in their own life by their words. I think the best statement in the entire Bible came from the mother of Jesus. The angel shows up and he says, you're going to have a kid. And she says, how can that be? I'm a virgin. This is not, that's not how things work. He says, no, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you're going to have Jesus. There were so many things that Mary could have said. If you want to contrast it, just a little bit before this, Mary's cousin Elizabeth and the, her husband Zachariah. The angel shows up to Zachariah and says the same thing to says, Elizabeth is going to have a kid. And he says, that can't happen. We're old. And I think if his wife was present, she would have been like, speak for yourself, Zachariah. I always give Robin a hard time because she's like six months older than me, so I always call her the old lady. It never goes well for me, so I'm not sure why I continue to do it. But I think if Elizabeth was there, she would have been like, Zachariah, are you wanting to die right now? But the angel said that Zachariah, Elizabeth's going to have a kid, and he said, that can't happen. And so you know what the angel did? Took his voice for the next nine months so that he wouldn't speak negative over that present that was in Elizabeth's belly. And he didn't get his voice back until after. So Mary had some options. But I love what she chose. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, she said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. According to what? His word. When you find his promises and his blessings in the word, take on Mary's attitude. Let it be done to me according to your word. That my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let it be done to me according to your word. That he satisfies my mouth with good things. That my youth is renewed like the eagles. Let it be done unto me according to your word. That by his stripes I have been healed. Let it be unto me according to your word. Whoo! And you begin to feed faith and speak blessing, and speak what the Word has said about you. So what is cursing? Doing the opposite. Oh, I can't do that. 
these bills are just paying up, piling up, and I just, I just don't know how I'm going to get out. Oh, that old sciatic's acting up again. <laughs> Insert whatever. You've all heard people talk like this. You've heard yourself talk like this. How do you bless and how do you curse? With your words. And God has given us the ability to walk in blessing or in cursing. Well, Pastor Jordan, doesn't he get to choose that? Actually, he does, and he gave you the choice. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do, and he has chosen to limit himself by what you choose to allow. And people don't like that responsibility, but that's the place he's put you in. Well, Pastor Jordan, you're just going to have to show me. Oh, I'm so glad that you asked. I am so glad you're asking these great questions this morning. So in order, let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And it starts off in verse 11 like this. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. I love how this conversation starts. And it is not beyond your reach. It's like the Holy Spirit through Moses was reading their minds. How is this possible? How can we do this? This is just not something that is in the realm of our ability. And so he starts, it's not too difficult for you. So I'm going to have to tell you the same things. This is not too difficult for you. This is not beyond your reach. In verse 12 it says, It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, Who will go up into heaven and bring down so that we can hear it and obey? And have you ever heard people pray, Oh God, open the floodgates of heaven. Pour out your blessings. It's not up in heaven. Jesus came and he left it with you. Then he says, and it's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it. So it's not in a faraway location. It's right here. It says, no, this message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart so that you can obey it. So the message of blessing and cursing, where is it? On your lips. And in your heart. New King James says it this way, but the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Now, listen. <laughs> Today, I am giving, everyone say, me. Because you is you, right? Today, I am giving you Oh, you just never know what God is going to do. You know, some He chooses to bless, and others He does not. Religion teaches that. They must have some blessing that I don't. He says, I'm giving you the choice between life and death and between prosperity and disaster. The choice is not in God's hands. The choice has actually been put into yours. Now, I know this is contrary to what a lot of Christianity teaches, but we have to understand that they don't always teach the Bible. It's a lot of opinion. It's a lot of it is experience based upon running negative roots. 
And he continues in verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you, not before God, before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so this is not something that is impossible to us. To prosper in every area of your life is not something that is impossible for you. I think it's improbable for some because we know statistically that only about 20% of people actually do what they're taught. Oh, that got quiet. But it's true. They say that in a business, 20% of your people will produce 80% of your results. Even in your leadership, 20% of your, your leaders will produce 80% of the good thoughts. So he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you get the option, and he gives you the answer. Choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. Okay, so back to Galatians 3.13. So he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We have to understand what the law is. What law is he talking about? But we first have to understand that with the curse removed, the blessing flows. With the curse out of the way, blessings are just natural to you. So... If we go over here to Hebrews chapter 8 and remind ourselves that it says, Now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of, everyone say this with me, better covenant, which is established on better promises. So what we are about to read, we've got it better. Because we're under a better covenant. So if you think what we're about to read sounds good, it's better. Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, Now it shall come to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments. Now we need to stop there and understand this is the proclamation of the law. It was do this and you get this. Do this it's basically, the, it can be summed up as do good, get good, do bad, get bad. That is not the covenant you get, get are under. What did it say about Abraham? Abraham was blessed because of his faith. Your attachment to the blessing doesn't have to do with your actions. It has to do with your faith. If you say, this is just not within the realm of possibility for me, it's so for you. That's what Henry Ford said. He said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And so we need to change our realms of possibility. And so when the law proclaims, it says, do this and you can get that. But with us, it's all who put their faith in Christ shall receive the same blessing as Abraham. So Abraham did have some obedience, though, that he had to follow. God said, leave your country, leave your family, and follow me a place where I'll show you. Same thing with Isaac. He told Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. Stay here and sow in the land. 
And so their blessings were found at the other side of their obedience to what God had said. And so there's always steps in faith. If you believe something, you have to stand up and walk it out and act it out. And we see that in Abraham and Isaac. But back to the law, it says in Deuteronomy 28.2, it says, All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, or empowered to prosper shall you be in the city. Blessed or empowered to prosper shall you be in the country. So the blessing is not location specific. Right where, right now, right where you are, you can walk in God's prosperity and God's blessing. You are not outside of where God can work. He can work where you are. And even if everybody around you doesn't believe it as long as you do, it still works for you. Let's think about Isaac for a second. He sowed in a famine. You know that everybody else was not doing that. And so he reaped a harvest, and it says they all envied him. Why? Because he did something they could have done, but chose not to. Also says in verse 4, Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of the, your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. First he says your kids are blessed. I know sometimes you will look at them and you're like, what is God going to do with you in your life? Because man, oh man. But we have to speak the same things that God speaks over them. You've got a good future filled with peace and filled with hope. But then he goes on to the second part, blesses the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the increase of offspring of your flocks. You know what he's talking about? That was their businesses. Your businesses have been empowered to prosper. But a lot of shops are closing their doors these days. Oh, you just don't know this economy. It just really, uh, I just don't know what we're going to do. I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to prosper. Yes. You've been empowered to prosper. Maybe you don't own a business and you work for one. It can prosper because you're there. Contracts are looking a little slim. It just we, looks like, you know, we're going to have to start doing layoffs. I speak to this business and I command it to prosper. I speak new contracts. I speak new business. When was the last time you blessed your place of employment? Anybody can curse their place of employment. Everyone chooses to for the most part. Oh, I just don't want to go to work this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can fill it all in. It says, blessed shall be... Come on, turn. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in not turning very good. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. So wherever you're found, you're blessed or empowered to prosper. It says the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. I like that one. Everyone's got problems. You can still win. It says they shall come out against you one way, and they'll flee before you seven ways. It says the Lord will command the blessing on you in your store houses. That means you need more than one. He didn't say house. He said houses. He says an all to which you set your hand. <laughs> you know, I think the, the, the really qualifying statement of that one is, everybody's like, oh, whatever I do will prosper. Yeah, unless he told you not to be there. And I've seen lots of people fail doing what God didn't tell them to do because it looked good for someone else so they thought it was good for them. 
You know, I think God's good enough to know your path and lead you in your path. And it's not always the way he blessed someone else. So you can try and walk the X, Y, Z that they did, but it won't always bring you the same results. You've got to be where God told you to be, doing what he told you to do, and you'll prosper. Isaac could have sowed in the desert in Egypt, and he wouldn't have got a harvest. But he sowed in the desert in the land God told him to be, and he did. He says, he'll bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And it says, The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in a season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Think about that. When was the last time you were in a blessed enough place that you lent to people? That's the type of quality of life God has called his children into. What are we going to do? That's okay. I've got stuff stored up as well. You know? It says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not beneath. A Christian that follows God should always rise to the top. Be a good example. But what does it take? We need to think inside the box of God's Word. Think of all those areas that God has said you've been empowered to prosper. Where do you go from here? Let it be done unto me according to your Word. I know I hear your voice, Holy Spirit. I know I follow your direction. I know I'm always found right where I need to be. I always know what I need to be doing when I need to be doing it. You always fill my mouth with good words to say. You always fill my mouth with blessing and not cursing. Maybe you're one of those people that like to speak negative about things. I would say, go before God and say, God, help me. <laughs> I have to do that sometimes. God, help me. Put a guard on my mouth. Show me when I'm talking stupid and put blessing in my mouth. Your life is waiting for your words because he's set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he told us, choose life. So Father, we choose life this morning. We choose your promises. We choose your blessings. We choose your increase, your prosperity in every area of our life. We're not settled to keep your prosperity in one section of our life. We fa say, Father, release it into every area. Give us your wisdom. Your word said that if any man lacks wisdom, to ask of you, and you give liberally. And so we ask, and we receive your liberal wisdom in Jesus' name. Maybe you've been watching us this morning, and you're thinking about this, oh, that sounds great. But you know what? There's an area of prosperity you need to prosper in first, and that's spiritual prosperity. And you can't do that unless you've asked Jesus into your heart. So we want to pray with you this morning, and just go ahead and speak after us. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we receive him now as our Savior, as our Lord, and as our provider. And we thank you that you've wiped away our sins. In Jesus' name. 
If you prayed that with us this morning, I want you to reach out to us so that we can get you hooked up with a good church in your area where you can begin to grow and flow in all these other areas of prosperity. And as for you guys, there are opportunities to prosper in everyday life. You can prosper in your emotions this week. We don't have to be driven by anger or jealousy. We can be driven by joy. Actually, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can have mental prosperity. I would encourage you to stop saying, I just don't know what to do, and start saying, I always know what to do. I know exactly what to do. I know what step is. And you can flow and walk in all these areas of prosperity. So, Father, we thank you for it. We bless you. And we thank you for the blessings that you've given unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys have a wonderful long weekend. Let's have some coffee and tea if you've got time to chat. <laughs>